Hello and welcome to Foothill Christian American Canyon. We're glad you joined us today and we sincerely hope that you're blessed with today's message. I want to talk to you real quick about those points uh, that we, we started to cover last week. Number one was that there's going to be a one world government. How many know that? The Bible says we are going to have a one world government and I really believe that the United Nations is a precursor to that. Not that the, I'm not trying to say the Antichrist runs that, but what I'm trying to say is that the United Nations, out of that will come a one world government that will seek dominance of the world. So right now you've got the United States, the most blessed country in the world, and we should be thankful for that every day, regardless of its politics, regardless of where you stand, and I don't get caught up in all that political nonsense because we're believers in Christ, amen? That's what we are. We're believers in Christ, number one. But we live in the most blessed country in the world. There's no other country like ours. There's no other country that says, on your money, in God we trust, all right? There's no other country like that. And so here we are in the most blessed country, but when the Bible talks about these signs of the times, our country, even the church, is not mentioned anymore. So what I want to focus on this morning is after the rapture. So, so the rapture, the belief that, that God is going to take his church, his people, snatch them up, the Bible says. In First Thessalonians, it talks about the, the seizing, the snatching up of believers. The word harpazo in the Greek, which means rapturing. It means to, the seizing, the, the snatching away. We're, we're going to be in the clouds with the Lord. Amen. He's going to come back in the clouds, the Bible says. And he's going to come and take his people with him. He's, every one of you as believers, we're going to go up with him. That's the next prophetic event to happen. There's nothing left to happen, occur in the Bible. I, I, I mean, I could sit here and tell you about what had to happen. Uh, the Bible predicted what happened in 1967, the Middle East War, the, the Six-Day War with, between Egypt and Israel. It predicted all that. Predicted that Israel would become a nation in May 14, 1948. It predicted all that. Those things have now occurred where now the next step is the rapture. Okay, so now what I want to talk to you about is after the rapture has occurred, what's going to happen? Okay, so now we step into this one world government. So you can see, picture yourself, the church has been raptured. People in this world are confused. What's going on? Reuben and Lori were here one minute. Now they're gone. What's going on? I mean, I don't understand what's going on. Brenda's gone. I don't know where she's at. Nigel's gone. I don't know where he's at. And, and the world's going to be in chaos. They're going to be looking to a leader. They're going to be looking for someone to lead this world. And into this scene is going to be this person called the Antichrist. How many have heard of that? Now, it just doesn't mean somebody that's against Christ, Antichrist, he is going to come. He's going to be a representative of Satan himself. Satan himself will possess this man. It will be a man that will come into the scene, to the political scene, I believe, into a scene where people will begin to look to him. And we're going to get into that this morning. So one world government will begin to take place, and people will be led by one government, one, one sense of currency. We're going to get into that. Amen? How many know that? Um, and I shared scriptures that talk about one world government in the book of Daniel, book of Matthew, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, as well as Revelation. Amen. Wednesday night 
Go to Wednesday Night Bible Study for more info on that. Amen. Preach it, Brenda. Amen. And, and again, the church is gone, okay? I can't emphasize that enough. So if you plan on sticking around after the rapture, you've got to pay attention to what I'm going to talk to you about this morning. If you plan on sticking around, and I highly don't recommend that route, okay? I highly do not recommend that route. But my first point was one world government. The second point was moral breakdown. Moral breakdown meaning that our world today, we have lost so much in terms of morality. How many agree with me? Uh, I mean, I know I'm old, okay? I get it. I got gray hair, all right? I get that. But, and, and I know that if I talk to my parents and if my grandparents were still around, they would just, they would roll around in their graves right now thinking of the things that are going on in the world today. How many know what I'm talking about, right? But now I know that I'm old, but hey, look, I grew up in the 70s. I did a lot of things that were pretty crazy back in the day. I wasn't a believer. But now the things that I see, it's unbelievable the things that you see going on every day in your world. I'll give you an example. How many get on Facebook? Uh, okay, some of you do. You don't have to go public on that. But here's the thing I was reading on social media the other day. Here in Vallejo where we live, there was an accident that happened. This is in reference to moral morality, having no morality. And there was an accident that happened, and this car got tangled up off the road, and somebody came to that person's aid. Well, another car pulled up, two young girls pulled up, and began to laugh at the man that was in the accident, and were filming them, videotaping them, and, and making fun of them. And not having like mercy, like, hey, can we help you out? They chose to laugh at that person and the person that was helping them. Now, would that have occurred in your grandparents' age era or your parents' age? But it's occurring now. Why? Because our young people don't even have morals of what's good, what's right, what's bad. They just laugh. They make fun. There's, there's body shaming. There's this and that. There's kids committing suicide because of what was said on on social media because, because people don't care, right? And, and that's what's scary about our world that we live in. It's a total moral breakdown, total moral breakdown. Protect your kids. Amen. Protect your kids, amen? Yeah. Protect your grandkids, amen? Because the world's chewing them out and spitting them out. Amen. I want to read another scripture to you here. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1, beginning in verse 1, 1 through 5. 2 Timothy chapter 3, and look, there it is. Let's read it together. Well, you don't have to read it together. Just follow along. But mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving. Does this sound like all the people in our generation, especially at Walmart? I'm just kidding. I always pick on Walmart, all right? Slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people, the Bible says. Doesn't that describe our generation? That's a total moral breakdown right there, what that's describing. And that's the generation we live in today. If you don't believe me, 
Go check your Facebook social media. Go to Twitter. Go to uh, Instagram. Whatever social media you choose to use. Talk to your students, your, your kids at school, what went on at school. They'll tell you stuff just like that of what's happening. Amen? Yeah. Now, now, those are signs that we're living in the last days. How many believe we're in the last days? Yeah. Now, that's what I want to challenge you. What are you doing about it? Because Brother Ed would challenge you. What are you doing about it? Amen? What are we doing about that right now? So morality, not just in our country, but across the world, is at its lowest point ever. Uh, morals have just gradually, every generation, they sink down. Remember back in the day, if, I don't know, I wasn't old enough to remember this, but apparently when Elvis Presley came out and made, uh, made TV for the first time, they could only film him from the waist up, is what I've been told, right? Because that was taboo to show the rest of his body shaking and grinding and whatever else on TV, right? They couldn't show that. But we've come a long way since then, right? We've come a long ways. The things you see nowadays, total moral breakdown. As believers, though, here's what I want you to recognize. Our job isn't to sit and judge them. It's not to judge them. That's the Holy Spirit's job, right? Our job is to love those people. I don't care how different they are from you. You're not to judge them. You're to love them, encourage them, amen? Let your light shine. What are you? The salt and light of this world. Each one of you are salt and light. Why would anybody want to come to your church if all you're doing is judging them? If you're hating on them, why would they want to be a part of your church, right? Love on them. So again, we need, we need the church today. That's why the church exists. We're a Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost hospital, amen? Right here, spiritual lives get repaired in this place. If they don't know about church and what's going on, they can never be spiritually healed, amen? They can never know that they're sick. Sometimes you don't know you're sick until you go see a doctor. Have you known that? You know that? See, we need to be the church. This is the church's greatest hour right now. We need to be the salt and light of this earth. There's people around your job tomorrow, at school, wherever you may be, that are looking at you, that are looking to see if you're real, if you're, what you believe in is real. And they're looking at you for answers. And they want your life to speak to them. And it's up to you to be real with them. Amen? The devil can't stop you. The devil can't stop light. He can't stop light in the darkness. When you turn off the lights and it gets dark and, and sin is all around and then you turn on that flashlight, darkness can't even stop that light. The devil can't stop your light from shining. Amen? No matter where you go, your light can shine. It can shine. And that's the generation we live in right now. Your light needs to shine right now more than ever. Amen? Amen. Amen. And then quickly, number three, I spoke about advancements in knowledge and travel. And Daniel 12 and verse 4, and I believe we have this as well, says, But as for you, Daniel, conceal these words and seal up the book until the end of time. Many will go back and forth and knowledge will increase. And I spoke about how knowledge has increased in our generation. Uh, they say that up until the year 1900, that knowledge had doubled every, every hundred years, right? Every hundred years. But after that, specifically right up to right up where World War II started, then knowledge, knowledge doubled every 25 years at that point. And then I mentioned that nanotechnology is doubling every, every two years, amen? And then um, 
On average now, because of the internet and all the things that we have available to us, human knowledge is doubling every 13 months. Every 13 months it's doubling. We're so overwhelmed with stuff, information. We live in the information age, and, and it's all around us. And it's in direct reference to this prophecy right here. It's talking about how knowledge is going to increase. And then when it mentions travel, it's, many will go back and forth. It's mentioning travel. And I quickly mentioned how when I went to Israel four years ago, I traveled over 7,400 miles. Just check this out. A hundred years ago, if I left today for Israel, a year from now, I'd still be on my way to Israel. Okay? A hundred years ago, it'd take me over a year to get there. And then I'd spend my time there, and then it'd take me at least another year to get back. Now I can get there 19 hours from San Francisco. 19 hours. And be back in 19 hours. Amen? It's, it's incredible what we've done in a span of a century, amen? amen? That is a direct prophecy that we're seeing happen in our time today. And then I want to talk to you about, uh, oh, in addition, not only that, but just share this last statistic with you. How many have a smartphone? Most of us have a smartphone, right? You have a phone in, in your purse or maybe it's on you right now. That smartphone has more technology on it than the lunar module had, the one that landed on the moon. Your smartphone has more technology, more capability than the lunar module. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Amen. That is so amazing um, that your smartphone has that much technology in it. So again, we, we, we've come a long ways. Uh, how many remember pagers? Yeah. You, you remember the first, the first car phones? They were like this big. Our kids, they look at that, they, they have no idea. The, the, I remember when my daughters first saw records. You know, we brought out some old records. Oh, they're big CDs. No, they're not big CDs. They're vinyls. They're records, right? And I remember 8-tracks. How many remember 8-tracks, right? Amen. Amen. And, and then we went to cassettes. And then we went to CDs, DVDs. We're advancing, continually advancing. We've come a long ways, baby. Is that how the saying goes? Point number four. Satellite, television, and the internet is what I want to talk to you about next. Satellite, television, and the internet. Now I want to set this up here in the last days. The Bible talks about these two witnesses that are going to be prophesying in Jerusalem. Right there at the Temple Mount. They're going to be in, in Jerusalem. And for three and a half years, the Bible says they're going to be preaching God's word that power will come out of their mouth, that they will be declaring the word of God. Now, most scholars, if you ask them, you know who they think these two witnesses are going to be? They believe it's going to be Moses and Elijah. Moses, and the reason, one of the reasons is that those were the two that were with Jesus during the transfiguration. When Jesus ascended back up into heaven, Moses and Elijah were at his side. Elijah also spewed out fire. Remember he called out fire from heaven and consumed the prophets of Baal, you know, the, the gods of Baal and all that. And, and so they're thinking that it could be Moses and Elijah. God will use them to preach in the last days. Wow. And that's going to be amazing. Now, we won't be here. The church won't be here. But as I mentioned earlier, if you decide to stay and check all this out, I want to just talk to you about what those signs are going to be. All right. Amen. I want to read to you 
Revelation chapter 11. This is where it gets really interesting of what the world's going to be facing at this time. Revelation chapter 11, verses 3 through 10. There it is. And I will grant authority to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy for 1260 days, approximately three and a half years, clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands that stand before the Lord of the earth. And if anyone wants to harm them, fire flows out of their mouth and devours their enemies. So if anyone wants to harm them, they must be killed in this way. These have the power to shut up the sky so that rain will not fall during the days of their prophesying. And they have power over the waters to turn them into blood and to strike the earth with every plague as often as they desire. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be living at that time. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be living at that time. That's what the world is going to face. Not just Jerusalem, not just Israel. The world will be facing every plague and as often as they desire. Why is God allowing that? He's trying to get them to get, to get their attention. Because they didn't listen and they didn't go up in the rapture. And God in his infinite mercy is, is saying, okay, I'm going to give you one last possible opportunity. And it's going to be really, really hard. But I'm going to give you one last opportunity and he's using these two witnesses to do that. Amen? Amen. I do not want to be in this earth, in this world during that time. Here's what the Bible said. Did you catch it earlier? Where Let me, let me see the, the verse. It said, um, let me find it again. Oh, where did, I, I lost it here. It says, um, verse 8. Verse 8 says, And their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city, which mystically is called Sodom and, and Egypt, where the Lord was crucified. Um, the, those pe- from the peoples and tribes and tongues and nations will look at their dead bodies for three and a half days. For three and a half days. Now, did you catch that word? Look on their bodies. Now, how, how's the whole world going to look on their bodies? 2,000 years ago, couldn't happen. How can it happen now? Through satellite television, internet, you, you can go, I can do a live video right now and post it on Facebook. How many have done that before? I go live on social media and, and post it right this very second. That's what's going to be occurring over there in Israel. Every eye that's tuned in will see their bodies. The Bible says every eye will see them. We did not have that technology up until the last you know, decade or so where everybody could see it simultaneously. Amen. See, God's preparing this. He's giving us signs that are going to occur. Whether you're ready or not, here I come. Amen? Amen. The whole world will see them. But up until the invention of the internet and TV, that was impossible. So does that tell you we're living in a generation that could see his return? Amen? We're living in that generation. I I remember, and maybe, maybe some of you remember this, before the internet... We had an antenna. <laughs> Anybody here have an antenna? And, and my dad had two boys for this reason. He had me and Reuben so that we could climb on the roof and move the antenna. And we say, right there? And he said, yeah, right there. Because where we grew up in Rutherford, we, didn't grow, we grew up out in the country, we had terrible reception. We got three stations. Right, Reuben? 
we got three stations, and they didn't all come in at the same time. We got channel two, KTVU, on one, you, you twisted it this way, and maybe channel five that way, and channel seven the other way. That was it. And so then one day, my dad bought this amazing invention called a, an antenna rotor. And you hook up these leads, and right there on top of the TV, you put this rotor, and you just spin a dial, and your antenna would turn. Oh, that was the greatest invention ever, right? Well, we're not getting the TV. Just turn the rotor, right? No more climbing up on the roof when it was cold, even raining. Climbing up on the roof. That's why we had us boys, so we could do that. That's how old we are. I remember that. But we've come a long ways, amen? We don't have to climb on that roof anymore. Praise God, Ruben. How many here know um, who Pastor John Hagee is? Raise your hand if you've heard of him. He's a pastor in Texas, pastors a Cornerstone Church in San Antonio, Texas. Let me just share a little story here. His father was an evangelist, John Hagee's father. And many years ago, he was preaching on the end times. And he said two things that must happen before the return of the Lord. Number one, he said, Israel must become a nation, which it did in 1948. And, and this is prior to Israel becoming a nation. And, and let me just quickly say, there's never been a nation that's been destroyed and abandoned like Israel was. Israel was destroyed in 70 AD by the Roman Romans. They destroyed it. And, and up until 1948, it hadn't been a nation. The peoples came back together, formed a nation again. Nobody, no other country in the history of mankind has ever done that. That's God's chosen people, okay? That's why they could do that. Anyways, he said Israel must become a nation. Number two, the whole world must be able to see these two witnesses. And here's this man saying this before TV, before satellites, before uh, you know, your smartphones. He was saying that those two things must occur. Everybody at that time told him, you're crazy. You must be crazy. You're, you're smoking wacky tobacco. What, what, what's going on here? And, and so obviously he was on to something, right? Because now we're living in that generation where that's possible. Amen? And then here's my last point, the fifth point. Total worldwide financial control. So right now, um, we're going on a missions trip in, in Mexico uh, in December. And their currency is called pesos, right? Everybody knows that. Lira and you know the Italians and so forth. Now they have euros in Europe and so forth. Different countries have different denomination of currency. Well, there's coming a time where this one world government will use one currency. It, it may not be dollars. It may not be pesos, whatever it is. It may not be euros, but there's going to be one currency. Can you see how we're heading that way? How everything's heading in that direction? I want to read to you a scripture found in Revelation chapter 13, and it's actually verses 12 through 18. I don't know if we have that um, to put up on the screen, and I believe we do. But I'm going to start in verse 12. It says, it says the following. He exercises all the authority of the first beast. And let me stop right here. It's talking about Satan, who is going to, who is going to possess bodily the Antichrist. The Antichrist will be a man... And then there's a third figure called the false prophet. So what we we got to understand that dynamic because for every good thing God has, Satan has a counterfeit. Do you understand that? Yeah. Satan has a counterfeit. 
He's trying to mimic and duplicate the Holy Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Satan himself will come in, possess this man who will lead this one world government, the Antichrist, and then he has a third person, the false prophet. So check this out, what it's saying about this here. So again, verse, verse 12, he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence, and he makes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast, the Antichrist, whose fatal wound was healed. Apparently, during this time, the Antichrist will be wounded mortally. Whether he's shot, somebody shoots him, he's going to die. He's going to fake his death. Again, mimicking Christ. And then he's going to rise again because, remember, the devil is the father of, of all lies, right? He's a liar. Everything he does is a lie. He's going to try to imitate exactly what Christ did. And the Bible says here that, it says, we will, we will to worship the first beast whose fatal wound was healed. Verse 13, he performs great signs. What does the Bible say about Satan? He's the deceiver. He's deceiving people even with signs and wonders. So that even, he even makes fire come down out of heaven to the earth in the presence of men. Verse 14, and he deceives those who dwell on the earth because of the signs which it was given him to perform in the presence of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who had the wound of the sword and has come to life. So there's going to be an image that people will begin to worship. And did you know that technology, there, it's amazing what you read, what you, what you can find out there. This country, as well as other countries, are trying to create these super soldiers, robots, and all sorts of things. I believe something like that is going to occur here. The Bible says that he's going to, he's going to um, in verse 14, he deceives those who dwell on the earth because of the signs which it was given him to perform in the presence of the beast. And then it says in verse 15, and it was given to him to give breath to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast would even speak and cause as many as do not worship the image of the beast to be killed. See, the ultimate goal and plan of Satan is for you to worship him. That's what he desired in the Garden of Eden. He, he just wanted worship. That's what he desired even backing up further when he was in heaven. Satan was the most beautiful angel in the Bible, the Bible says. Not my words. The Word of God says that. He's not a, 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 a Satan that has a, has a tail and horns and a pitchfork. That's the world's image, and that's what Satan wants you to believe, that he's a scary character and that you'll recognize him right away. Satan comes as an angel of light, Amen. and he knows your weaknesses. As my late mother-in-law used to say, the devil never sleeps, and he's trying to attack you and I. And he's not going to come at you in some gory fashion. He's going to come at you in a way you would least expect it. Amen. I want you to understand that. Amen? Amen? And so again, it goes on to say, verse 16, And he causes all the small and all the great and all the rich and the poor and the free men and the slaves to be given a mark on their right hand or on their forehead. Right hand and on their forehead. And he provides that no one will be able to buy. Everybody say no one. No one in the Greek, it means no one, no one, okay? No one will be able to buy or sell 
except the one who has the mark, either the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who, un who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for the number is that of a man, and his number is 666. Did you know that uh, they say that Nero, back in A.D. 70, uh, who, destroyed, who destroyed Jerusalem and, and so forth, his name in Greek numbers out to 666. If you add up the digits in his name, it equals 666. Many people has referred, have referred to him as a first type of Antichrist. But there is coming an Antichrist that is going to gain total control of this world. And, 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 and this is complete worldwide control. And I mentioned to you about the mark on the forehand. Uh, all of you here, most of you probably have right now in your wallets, in your purses, a debit card that has a little chip in it. Nowadays, that's the technology. Now, that's not the sign or the mark of the beast. I have that same card through my bank. It has a little smart chip on there, and it's just a debit card. That's the technology we now have. Well, we're, we're heading to that place where we're going to have some sort of, of a chip implant in here. How many have pets that have been chipped, implanted? I have a dog that has a, has a chip right here, so if he ever gets lost, they can locate him. Now, he's not going to hell because all dogs go to heaven. I mentioned that last week. All dogs go to heaven. They even made a movie about that. Sorry for you cat lovers. But... Uh, Another thing, too, in August, first week in August, there was a company in Wisconsin that chipped over 40 of their employees. Over 40 of their employees were chipped because that chip allows them access to doors, to codes, to get into their company. I, I go to work and I have what's called a FOB. Anybody use a FOB before? It's a little, a little instrument that you just put, wave over a little keypad, and then it opens the door for you. Well, how much easier... This is the way the world would think. Would it be if I could just wave my hand over it, right? How much easier would it be if I go to the store, if I go to Walmart, where I saw all those people that are morally broken down, and, and I just scan my hand. Instead of scanning, you know, giving them a card, swiping my card, putting my PIN number, how about they just scan my hand? How much easier would it be, right? And then how much easier would it be if we all had one money? I don't have to go... If I go to another country, exchange my money for some of their money, you know what I mean? If I just have one currency, have it on my hand, doesn't it make sense? Makes perfect sense, doesn't it? But what does the Bible say about that? If you take that mark of the beast, there's no passing go. It's over. Game over. It's over. The Bible says, in, in no other words, you're going straight to hell if you take that mark of the beast. So... If you're doing, if, if you're thinking of staying and sticking around for the show, one thing, don't take that mark. Don't take the mark. I can't emphasize that enough. I can't emphasize that enough. If you happen to be around, do not take that mark. It will be, the, as the Bible says, on your forehand or on your forehead. I don't know how they're going to do it. I know the company in Wisconsin, they implanted it right here. It's a little chip as big as a grain of rice because I saw it on on, on, on my internet, they actually implanted, they interviewed the CEO, and they, everybody loved it. I don't know about you, but if they try that at my work, I'm saying, no way, no way. And it's going to have 
for, for this company, it allows them to move around in their business, but the, the purpose of this one is to control you. They want to have all your information, all of your personal information will be on there, your credit card, your social security card, where you live, because Satan wants to control his people, right? And if you're around at that time, I'm sorry, but you're going to be his people and he wants control over you. So again, we have to be aware of that. The technology is here already. It's occurring right now. It's occurring in our country. You have to be aware of these signs. This was prophesied 2,000 years ago. That technology was prophesied here. 2,000 years ago. I mean, I, I can't emphasize that enough. They didn't know anything about signs and implants and chips back then. But... John had a revelation. See, the Holy Spirit spoke to him and he penned these things. The apostle, the the disciple of Christ that Christ loved, the Bible says. The one that was at the crucifixion watching Jesus be crucified. Where were all the others? They weren't there. But the Bible says he was there. He received this vision. He wrote revelation. It was a vision given to him. He began to write these words down. He had no concept what he was describing he had no concept. But now it all makes sense as we read it in light of what's going on in our world today. Amen? Yes. Amen. And then lastly, I want to read one last set of verses. Revelation chapter 14 and verses 9 through 11. Revelation 14 verses 9 through 11. And it says the following. A third angel followed them and said in a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and its image and receives its mark on their forehead or on their hand, they too will drink the wine of God's fury, which has been poured into full strength into the cup of his wrath. They will be tormented with burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and of the Lamb, referring to Jesus. And verse 11, And the smoke of their torment will rise forever and ever. There will be no rest day or night for those who worship the beast and its image or for anyone, everybody say anyone, anyone, who receives the mark of its name. See now, I know right now, possibly some of you may be thinking, how can a loving God do that? That's what I used to say. How can a loving God send people to hell? Well, he didn't. This was created for his, the angels that rebelled against him. Remember, it goes back to, to Genesis. A third of the angels, the Bible says, rebelled against Christ. They wanted to serve Satan. They wanted to worship Satan rather than serve the Creator. And the Lord, here's what I do know about God. The Bible says, ultimately, he says, choose whom you will serve today. But he's a jealous God. God, God in, in a way, not, not in terms of a carnal jealousy, but he wants your love so badly. He desires for each of you to love him, to choose to love him. But he created this hell for the devil and his angels. And those that take this mark are designated for that place. So please don't take that mark. If you want to stick around and watch the show, the tribulation after the rapture, don't take the mark because you will be forced to take the mark. What happens if you don't take it? The Bible says that you'll probably be in prison and probably be killed. And the way they're killing people, cutting their heads off, right? I don't know about you. I choose not to go there. 
I like my head. I want to go to heaven with my head. Amen? Amen. Yes. Amen. So, in all seriousness, those five points there are, are signs of the times we live in. Can you see it all occurring in our day and age today? Uh, we need to recognize that. And again, going back to the very first thing that I said at the outset was that we have to have, or we, we must see the two, the two points that, that cause us or, uh, to give us a reaction. We have to recognize that Jesus can come back any second. Yes. Number two, we have to recognize that my life should be giving him glory and honor in everything I, I do. Amen? Mm-hmm.